now. Um, because, like she was saying, I, I, I couldn't hear it fully because I was playing the drums, but, um, you know, she was, from what I can make out, she was, uh, she was just praying over us and just saying that, you know, questioning why we're just satisfied and just content with doing church without the Holy Spirit. And I mean, I was actually just talking about this with I am this morning is like, why do we come to church and not expect just signs and wonders and the glory of the Lord to break out like the book of Acts? And as she was saying that, I was just going nuts because actually this sermon, um, my prayer is that it will actually help us as a community to, to diagnose why it is we're satisfied with so little of God. Why is it that we come Sunday after Sunday and we don't have the expectations as is written out and laid out in Scripture? And why it is that we don't experience the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit? And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I believe that this is, um, you know, part of our series of the basics, but I also believe it, it's from the Lord for today, uh, I guess during Pentecost, which is so amazing to me. I should have kept up um, with the liturgical calendar. Um, but the... Uh, the topic for today is the pursuit of God, what it means to actually follow hard after Him, to seek Him, to wait on Him, to desperately wait for His presence, to seek a revelation of Him, all of these things. And um, the, the angle that we're going to take this at is that um, actually a lot of people across the church don't actually believe uh, that the uh, pursuit of God is actually basic. To Christianity. In fact, you'll, you'll find people that this is actually sort of foreign sounding. They're like, what is the pursuit of God? Why do I need to do it? And there'll actually be people across the body of church that will, that some of them will actually say that it's unbiblical. And uh, we're going to look at that today, but the reason, one of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons for that and a lot of reasons why we don't have expectations for the Lord to move. But one of those reasons um, I find is, is what uh, Mike Bickle teaches on a lot. It's the false grace message. It's the false grace theology. And so we're going to spend some time today dismantling that and being delivered as a community from this false grace mentality that says, I can just sit back and relax and just kind of passively approach God instead of expecting more from Him. And so we're going to try to dismantle that. And then the latter half here, um, try to adopt the biblical mindset, the biblical mentality of what does it mean to pursue the Lord? Why should I pursue the Lord? And so I'm really excited, um, and I pray by the grace of God that, that we will walk into the full pursuit of God this morning. Um, so let's, let's turn uh, to Philippians 3. Uh, Philippians 3. And I'll be reading out of the ESV for the slides. Philippians 3, verse 7. And uh, we're all, I mean, a lot of us are familiar with this, but I'll, I'll read a big chunk of it anyway for context. All right. Verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. 
For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. And here's what we're going to sort of focus on today. Not that I've already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. There's the pursuit, because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So if uh, any, any of you are keeping tabs here, uh, Matt Harlan actually preached on this passage a couple weeks ago. How many of you are here for graduation Sunday? I just want to say, like, just publicly, I texted, where is he? I, I don't even see him. Yeah, I texted him publicly, but I just want to publicly say, like, I don't know about you, but that sermon just rocked my heart. Like, literally 24-7 that next week, I was just thinking about that ganasco, to know God intimately. And so thank you so much for that word. It was so impactful for my heart. And uh, if you haven't listened to it already, go on the Hilltop website, check it out. Uh, but, but basically, one of the passages he touched on was uh, this, indeed, I count everything as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Like, what Paul is saying there is that in this entire earth, there's nothing that comes even close to the supreme value of knowing God. I mean, it's amazing what Paul says here, and what, what Matt was saying is that we, like, we don't just need to know about God or read about him, that, but we need to come into an intimate knowledge, gnosko, to know him intimately. And um, why I bring this up is I, I sort of think of today as um, a sort of sequel um, to, that, to that message where you can sort of think of it this way. Uh, Matt sort of laid out, I would say, one of the ultimate goals of the Christian walk is to know God. Well, the pursuit of God is the means, it's the biblically mandated means to coming to know God, okay? So this is why Paul says in verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this, so I haven't obtained this knowledge that surpasses everything, right? So I haven't obtained this yet, but here's what I do. I press on. Right? And he says the same thing in verse 13. He's trying to convince us, like, don't, don't worry, I don't, I'm not, I've not arrived yet. I have not taken a hold of it. But here's what I do. I strain forward and I press on. What that shows us this morning is that the, no, the means to the knowledge of God requires a certain pressing on, a certain straining forward. It requires a certain pursuit. Because Paul doesn't just say, and I mean, there's a lot of, things, not a lot of ways that we can come to know God, but he doesn't just say, you know, not that I've obtained this already, but I, I just kind of sit back and I just passively wait for revelation to just flutter down onto my lap. That's not what Paul says. Or he doesn't just say, like, I have a dream journal at home and I just wait for dreams and visions, right? I have a dream journal. I, I love it. You should too. But that's not what Paul says. What Paul is emphasizing is, point number one, there's nothing in this world that comes even close to knowing God. And point number two, here's what I do. I press on. I strain forward. There's a pursuit involved. 
There's a pursuit involved. And um, here's, where, here's where people, and some of us might feel this way, and because I struggle with this for many years, is here's where some people will have difficulty. They'll say, but that pursuing or straining forward, that requires effort on my part. And, and where that becomes very tricky is that's where the false grace message comes in, right? The false grace message uh, at its most extreme is this, that Jesus died for my sins, and so I can just live however I want, and I can live in sin, and it doesn't matter, right? And uh, praise be to God, I don't think there's many of us that would go around preaching that here. Uh, that's like a very extreme version. Uh, but I think the more subtle and the more dangerous version of the false grace message is since Jesus did it all for me, I no longer have a part to play. That there's, there's nothing that I can do in my relationship with God. You take it a step further, further that any effort that I put into my relationship with God or even like my relationship with other people, any effort is legalism. And, and this is the thing that for so many years, every time the, the Lord would just place something on my heart, a burning desire to seek him out, I would say, oh, but that's, that's legalistic. That's self-righteousness. That's, that's too burdensome. And, that's, and of course, this can become legalistic, but pursuing God in and of itself is not legalism. Legalism is when you try to do work so that other men praise you. Legalism is when you're trying to earn favor with God or when you're, you're, you're self-condemning and, and you're overly burdened. But, but pursuing God is not toxic. It's not legalistic. And again, this is something that, and this is why I'm, I'm, I'm preaching on this, is, is it was a thing that I had to wrestle with, with for many years. I mean, because of my church background, and I'll explain more, but just so we sort of get some help in untangling this, um, I want to read um, a little bit from A.W. Tozer on the pursuit of God. Um, it's an amazing book. It's very short. Um, read it on the subway to work and you'll finish in a week. It's an awesome book. But here's what uh, A.W. Tozer says. In the divine upholding and the human following, there's no contradiction. All is of God. For as Von Hugel teaches, God is always previous. And so what that means is it's always by God's grace. Like any desire that we have, God gave it to us. Any effort that we put in, God enables us, right? So he says God is always previous. And he says this, in practice, however, that is where God's previous working meets man's present response, man must pursue God. And then he says this, he says, The doctrine of justification by faith, a biblical truth, and a blessed relief from legalism has in our time fallen into evil company and been interpreted by many in such a manner as actually to bar men from the knowledge of God. Christ may be received, quote-unquote, without creating any special love for him in the soul. The man is saved, but he's not hungry nor thirsty after God. And here's the kicker. In fact... He is specifically taught to be satisfied and is encouraged to be content with little. This was the story of my life for many years. And I'm sure some of you have experienced this as well. And maybe some of you are struggling with this now where we accept Jesus when we're growing up at VBS Bible Camp or whatever. 
And then we go to church Sunday after Sunday, and we're never taught to expect more. In fact, for me, it was I taught myself to expect little of God. I taught myself that I had no role to play, right? But we go Sunday after Sunday, we do the same routine over and over, and meanwhile, God has so much more in store for every single one of us this morning. I mean, so much more. Paul says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has imagined what the Lord has in store for all of us that love him. I mean, for every, I, I'm, it's, I'm not exaggerating, for every believer in this room, it doesn't matter your giftings, it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, every single individual, God wants to pour out his love. He wants to pour out the, the fullness of his Holy Spirit, where we're walking out, boldly testifying of the gospel, bringing many to him. And meanwhile, we just settle for the status quo Christianity. It's just this lukewarm Christianity where we just expect this routine instead of pressing in. And what, what A.W. Tozer is saying is that one of the reasons why that happens to us, why are we not satisfied with more, it's often an issue of this false grace mentality where it says, Jesus did it all for me, so I have no more part to play. Jesus did it all for me, so my work is done, and I just kind of coast, and I just do this whole passive Christianity and we must be delivered from that mindset this morning. We must be delivered. And, you know, I came to a place where, I, you know, I didn't believe it necessarily with my head, but the residue was still on my heart. And we need to war together as a community by the grace of the Holy Spirit to be completely delivered from this sort of thinking that says, Jesus did it all, so now we're all set. So to kind of um, help with this process, again, I, I really studied this issue in the Word. I prayed through it. Uh, just this issue that there is a pursuit required. I just want to do some rapid-fire scripture here. and just So you don't have to turn with me. I'll just, I'll just read through a couple scriptures to sort of exemplify this. If you start reading with this lens that, that there is a pursuit, I mean, you'll see it everywhere in the Bible. <laughs> it will just be everywhere. So I'm just going to read a few things. Um, so Hebrews 12. Uh, verse 1, Hebrews 12, verse 1, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the rates that are set before us. And this is actually repeated throughout Hebrews, but what the author of Hebrews is saying is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we actually have the authority to lay aside the hindrances, to lay aside the sin that we don't need to, I mean, we do wait for God, but it's not just this passive, oh, one day God will deliver me from my sin so that I can run after him. It's no, lay it aside. It's not legalism to lay it aside because we have the power and the authority as believers in Jesus to lay aside those weights and run toward him, right? The author of Hebrews says, run with endurance. There's no passivity involved there. It's running the race, right? I mean, even later on, he, I mean, the author of Hebrews, he or she actually, some people believe it's Priscilla, interestingly. Um, but anyway, so this author of Hebrews um, later goes on to say, um, in verse 12, therefore lift your drooping hands, strengthen your weak knees, make straight paths for your feet. Like, of course it's all about God's grace and how he enables us, but there's a part that we play. 
If we're in the pits of despairs, he's not just saying passively wait. He's saying strengthen your weak knees, right? Lift your drooping hands. It's by God's grace, but we also have a part to play. Um, How about uh, 1 Corinthians 9 is is another um, just rapid-fire scripture here. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. (laughs) This kind of verse might be a little (laughs) unpopular in some circles. Uh, and again, I, I do want to say, um, and there could be whole, you know, another series on what it means to rest in the Lord. And to, he says, come and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Take my yoke, it is easy, and my burden is light. Right? And so there is a balance. But just, just look at this, just at face value. There's no, there's no sign of passivity in that. It's an active faith. It's pursuing God with diligence and discipline, exercising self-control in all things. Paul compares us to athletes. Athletes do not win the prize by just sitting back on the couch and just waiting for something to happen. There's action involved. And again, this is so difficult for my mind to grapple with, but there's action involved. Just one more. I mean, there's so many verses that I could read, but just one more. Mark 12 Uh, Verse 28 through 30. I love this. Mark 12, verse 28, and you all know this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he, Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. I love that because for me, I, I, I think Pastor Darrell was also you know, talking about this last week. Like it's not this heavy laden commandment like, oh, I need to give all. But it should create in us this excitement and this holy joy. And, and for me personally, I feel like it gives me permission to say, God, I want to give you my all. I know I'm just a child. I know I'm not fully mature. I know I'm not perfect, but God, take my all. Right? I don't have to be worried about restraining myself and holding myself back and saying, is this legalistic? Is this, you know, am I going to burn out? Is this too radical? Is this too extreme? I believe the Lord is going to impart this first commandment reality in our community where we're saying, God, would you take our all? And you know, the crazy thing about this is that there's a huge difference between giving God our all and giving God our most. There's a huge difference there. What that means is that we're all, we're all on the equal playing field, as, as Pastor Bethany always says, is that until we meet Jesus face to face and we become like him, as it says in John, 1 John, until, we, until that moment... Our continue, the continual cry of our hearts is, God, take more of my heart. I'm at most maybe, but I'm not at all. So take more of my heart. Take more of my soul. Take more of my mind. Take more of my strength, God. 
I'm not able in my human strength, but by your Holy Spirit, allow me to give up myself as close to 100% as possible on this side of eternity. God, take more of my life. And, and in particular, how this applies this morning is give more, all of my strength. Like, it's okay for us to expend energy, right? There's a balance, but it's okay to, to sort of yearn to give all of our strength, all of our effort, our energy, our zeal. That's not a bad thing. And so, my prayer is that we're, we, we're, we're delivered from this false grace mentality. Because, you know, some of us will have this, these moments. We all have these moments, if we're believers, where the Lord will sort of touch our hearts. And he'll put like a f- flame of love upon our hearts. Maybe it's at a prayer set. Maybe it's on Sunday. And he, and he tenderizes our heart and he says, come away to me. Draw away from the crowds. Come to me. Seek me in the secret place. And then we hear these voices. Oh no, that's too extreme. <laughs> You'll get burnt out. That's too, that's too radical. Does it really say that in scripture? Does it really say, sell all for the field? Sell all for the pearl of great worth? Does it really say that? And we'll hear these voices. And my prayer is that we would just fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith who gave it all for us and follow hard after his example and say, God, we renounce this world and its desires. We will come after you. We will trust in your provision in our weakness that you will give us the means to follow hard after you. You will give us the means to pursue you without getting burnt out, without becoming legalistic, and we will run hard after you. And so, um, again, my prayer, and, and this doesn't happen just in a moment. I pray that it does, but it is a lifetime of, of cultivating a relationship with God. But we, we lay aside this false grace mentality that says we can just do whatever we want or we can just coast and be passive. Then what is the, what is the, uh, the biblical motivation for pursuing the Lord? And uh, it's very simple, but um, if we could just connect with this, it's that if, if when we pursue the Lord, he actually comes to us. Like he says, if you come after me with all your heart, I will actually show myself to you. I know just, it is hard, and I, I've, I've even talked to people recently about this, we believe it with our head, but it is hard to lock in that there's a promise that if we pursue the Lord, He will come to us. He will answer us. He will respond. You know, whether it's um, maybe broken earthly relationships where, where we've, we've tried pursuing relationship with people before and, and um, we're disappointed. I think for a lot of us, we say, God, we've tried to pursue you before. We've tried and we don't, we don't see you. We don't hear your voice. But are we going to go by our past experiences 
our personal feelings or opinions, or do we go by the promise of the word and lock into the promises and say, God, you promise that if I set my face to seek you, you will visit me by your grace. So again, I just want to read some scripture verses here. Jeremiah 29, you don't have to turn there, um, just a bunch of scripture verses. Jeremiah 29, verse 12 It says this, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've driven you. You know, in in this context, uh, the Israelites were in exile. And so the Lord is saying, even in the midst of your brokenness, even in the midst of your sin, even in the midst of my judgment and chastisement, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. I will be found by you. Right? The promise is clear. It doesn't matter what our current circumstances is. If we seek the Lord with our heart, he will come to us. It is the desire of his heart to be found by us. You know, God didn't have to be this way. He could have just been high in the sky and and we just bow our knees and offer sacrifices and nothing ever happens. But for some reason, in his tender mercy, it's the desire of his heart that he is found by us. Hebrews 11.6, we all know this. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That's, that's one of the basics of Christianity is that we believe that when we seek him, he rewards us with his presence. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I mean, it's very simple, this one. <laughs> it's the promise of scripture. When we draw near to God, the creator of the universe, the king of kings, the Lord of glories, will actually come and draw near to us. We don't earn it, but he draws near. I love this one, Psalm 14, 2. I mean, if you start, again, if you start looking this up in Scripture, I mean, it's all over the place. It's all over Scripture. It really is. Psalm 14, 2 says this. Uh, the fool says in my heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is none who does good. But the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. God in heaven is looking for a people. He's looking. Where is the people that will seek my face? Where is the people that will seek me out in the secret place? Where is the people that will wait upon me until I move? It's not going to happen overnight. Uh, It might. (laughs) You know, Paul, he was just traveling on the road to Damascus, and bam, he just (laughs) received the full revelation of the sun. We don't count that past God, but for our journeys all look different. We can't compare, oh, but this person's been getting dreams and visions. This person has a prophetic gift. What about me? God, why not me? Our journeys look different because God knows what we need. God knows what we need. He knows our heart. He knows every part of our being. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we need. You know, I just want to share this. Daniela said I could. Um, 
So I'm not just gossiping, you know. Um, you know, she went through a time of, and again, our journeys look different. Uh, she went through a time for several years of just barrenness. Just, God, where are you? I can't feel you. I can't hear you. Where are you? And I remember one, uh, there's just, you know, many examples, but like one week, I guess, she, uh, you know, she came with tears in her eyes. She was crying and she just says, John, I don't feel like I can hear God. And it's like, this is by the mercy of God, but it's like the very next day or the very next week that um, she, she went out to evangelize with Amy and uh, she, she saw a mental map of Central Square and the Lord directing her on what street to go in. <laughs> so her and Amy went down this, you know, following this mental map, and she found someone there that was sitting there, and this girl was sitting, it was like dark outside. This girl was sitting in the dark, and, and she was kind of, uh, you know, Unitarian, New Agey um, kind of Christian. Um, but but um, she said, um, I, I was praying, and um, I, I, was, I was supposed to be in Harvard Square today, but I felt like, I felt like God told me to be here right now. And so God had actually led Daniela to that specific moment so they could share the gospel with her right after she had said, I don't feel like I can, I can hear the Lord's voice. We never know when that breakthrough is going to come. I mean, again, like in another instance, she was in the prayer room and she was crying and she was just like, uh, and she told me the story afterward, but she was like, um, God, I, and she never asked for this kind of thing, but she was like, God, I just, I just need someone for, to give me a prophetic word. <laughs> like, I just need someone to prophesy over me. And instantly, Nifemi goes over and starts pro and says, I have a word from the Lord for, me, for you, right? But what you don't see when you hear those stories is there was a process. <laughs> It's not just like, and I mean, again, the instantaneous stuff, I love that. Um, Brad and Christy at Small Group were sharing that they prayed for a dream, and Christy got a dream the next day, boom. And then she called this person that the God gave her some, someone a number to call, or, or someone to, a name, this random name to call on the phone. So, like, sometimes that will happen, right? We, we don't discount that, but sometimes there is a process. There is a process where we begin to cultivate the longing heart, that we begin to cultivate the truth trusting heart that, God, you're our father, we're our children, uh, you know, these circumstances are difficult, I feel barren, I feel hopeless, but God, I know you will come through, I know you will provide, I lock into the promises of the word and say, God, will you come to me? And so I believe that that, that invitation to draw near to God is going out to all of us, always. I just want to close um, with something personal. <laughs> um, I don't know why I felt led to share this, um, uh, but this is this is my wedding vow. Actually, um, I wrote it on this orange piece of cardstock. <laughs> um, when I looked at the wedding photos, I was like, "Wow, that's that's not attractive. <laughs> doesn't doesn't look good." Um, our, our wedding was low-key. I love low-key weddings. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, but I, I have a clear conscience sharing this because it's a vow that I made before the Lord and before my wife and before the people that witnessed that marriage. And it's a vow that keeps me anchored. 
every day. It's, I don't do it perfectly. But I said this, um, I realized that my uh, vow is not only to you, but also to God. And this verse springs forth within me. Psalm 27, 8, it says this, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, O Lord, do I seek. So this is my bold vow to you and to God that as your husband, I will lead us to seek the fullness of Christ for all the days of our lives. This verse, you have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, O Lord, will I seek. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifice, regardless of the delay and the suffering that may come from it, I've made a promise, and I believe that many of you are, there's a call on our community to make that promise that says, God, not for this week, not for this month, but for 10, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, all the days of my life, you say, God, seek my face. Is the desire of your heart that we seek your face. So our heart responds is, your face, O Lord, will I seek. Not that we're perfect. <laughs> I mean, my small group, my wife, Pastor Daryl, know that I'm not perfect. But that's not the point. The point is God has said, seek my face. And so is our response this morning, your face, O Lord, will I seek. And so I just want to wrap up this um, time a little bit earlier. Yeah, we have a little bit of time, and so maybe if Will could come up and uh, play a little bit of music, if he's here. Um, but I think he's at Kids Church. It's okay. Maybe we'll just... Okay, yeah, sure. Um, we could play music from the back as well. It doesn't matter. But um, um, let's just t- spend some time and, and just evaluate our hearts. God, what is the areas of our lives that we've become dull-hearted where we've, we've lost, lost sight of that pursuit? Or maybe, maybe, we've never, maybe we've never embarked on that pursuit. Maybe it was that false grace mentality that says, you know, Christianity is just about getting to heaven. It's just Sunday after Sunday. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you reveal those places in our heart where we've lost sight of that pursuit. Yeah, let's just wait for him just to reveal. You know, we were talking about this at small group and it just touched my heart. Like, God is just so kind. He's so kind. And we were, we were just sharing about our, um, you know, experiences and, our, and our, some of the struggles we've had in, in marriage. And, you know, God has just been so kind to us. And so it, it really doesn't matter if, if we've, you know, lost sight of that track. We just repent and say, God, bring, us, bring me back to that pursuit. Bring me back to that drawing near, God. Rid me of those distractions that, that vie for my attention and my affection. And um, yeah, let's just continue to pray and, to, uh, and, and just to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to, uh, to us. You know, when, when Jesus was on earth, Jesus um, actually washed our feet. And so he, he loves to minister to us. Which is amazing. But I also um, invite um, 
anybody that needs prayer to the front. Uh, my heart goes out to people that have struggled with um, this false grace mentality of saying, oh, but I don't want to be legalistic or this is too extreme. Or like my friends around me, they aren't doing this. Or the, the people at my church around me, they aren't doing this. Why do I have to do this? And so um, if there's anyone in here that has, you know, struggled with that kind of mindset, um, I'd like to, you know, maybe we'll have some people up here praying for you so that you'd be delivered of that mindset, that we'd have that, that, uh, that faith that when we seek God, He will come, right? Anyone that has um, hurts in the past or disappointments with relationships, and we've lost that belief that when we actually pursue God, He actually comes. And so if, you, if you're one of those people, just, you know, you can come to the front. I'd, I would love to pray for you. And uh, anyone else that needs prayer or, or wants to commit to just, you know, re-signing up for pursuing the Lord. Uh, but yeah, let's just t- take this time to just, uh, just, just have time to let the Holy Spirit minister to us and show us where we need to realign to the pursuit.